Hebrews 13, verse 1, it says this. This is the New Living Translation. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. That's good. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. That's what we are. We're brothers and sisters. So when you, you what do you do with your brother and your sister? You look out for them. If, if somebody's messing with your sister, giving her a hard time, you go defend her. Somebody's messing with your brother, you go defend him, right? You go there, you go for bat, you go to bat for him, you take care of him. Why is that? Because you're brothers and sisters, you're blood. And according to Hebrews 13, it's talking about how when we're in this big family of God, okay, everybody in the family look out for each other, right? You look out for each other. So somebody comes up to you and say, did you hear what so-and-so did? Blah, 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 blah. Start wanting to give you some juicy gossip. And what do you say? I don't want to listen to that. That's my brother. That's my sister. I don't want to talk about that. That's not nice. If I have an issue with my brother or my sister, what do I do? I go talk to them, right? I go up to them and I say, hey, I was wondering about this. I was wondering about that. That's love. Love is talking to people. Love is addressing things. You don't just sweep it under the carpet because you know what happens when you sweep things under the carpet, right? Your carpet gets lumpy. And what happens, guys? What happens if you if you don't deal with things? What happens? It boils up, right? And then the next thing you know, what do you have? I can't believe you. You're all and you're and you're like, what is wrong with them? Well, they had been keeping stuff bottled up for a long time about their brother or their sister, and now when things come out, it comes out in a way that it shouldn't come out. Well, this is part of growing in love. Love is being honest with people and telling them how you feel about things. It really is. Not Sometimes people use their words to control and manipulate people. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about saying, oh, everybody feels sorry for me. That's a manipulation. What do you really want? I want people to give me attention. Oh, I didn't put the scriptures up. Hold on. I want people. Oops. I want people to give me attention, so I keep making like everything's a big deal. This is a big deal. That's a big deal. And really, your brother, your brother and sister, your brothers and sisters are like, yeah, they always do that. Why is that? They just want attention. Well, that's not being honest. Being honest means to 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 express to people how you feel about certain things. It's really important to do that. But but that's what love does. People say, oh, I don't want to say anything. Well, you should. You can say it in a nice way. You don't have to be all mean about it. You know, when people start getting mean about things, it means they're holding it inside a lot. And when they hold it inside and it finally comes out, it shoots out like, and it doesn't sound nice. And then what people are hearing is like this frequency of frustration or anger or whatever it is, when in reality, if there was a free flow of love and a free flow of, of communication between us and each other, then it's it's fluid. In other words, an issue comes up, you immediately talk about it. Why is that? Well, because we're going to deal with it. We're going to take care of it, right? Not we're going to hold it inside and wait for everything to come to a, a major issue and then, you know? So this is part of love. When people are afraid to communicate, they could be afraid because the last time they communicated, they got shot down, you know? Sometimes people don't, you know, in a job, people won't make suggestions. You know why? Because they're afraid someone's gonna say, that's a stupid suggestion. So they don't say anything. Well, don't, but see, that's not a good, that's not a, 
a family, a loving family environment, that's more of a competition. You know, remember how last week I talked about the difference between the world systems in the kingdom of heaven? In the world system, it's all about who's in control and who's dominating. Well, if you're in a, in, a, in a system that's all about who's in control and who's dominating, you're not going to have a free flow of communication, are you? You're going to be holding things back so that you can use it at the right moment so you can control and dominate that situation. That's the world system. But in a, in a family, the family of God, which is, a, which is a family that's ruled by the Father of lights, the Father God, who is love, that communication can flow th- freely between us. So, and why is that? When God has something in his heart, he shares it with us right away. He doesn't hold back from us. He, he has freely, listen, <clears throat> if, if God would give his son, him, the word, who is, who is God, as, a, as the sacrifice for all of mankind, to give up his life, he will give us everything. He gave his own life. He gave us everything. So if there's things that we want to know about from the Lord, we can ask him and he will tell us. Now, some said, well, I asked him and I didn't, I didn't hear anything. That is called a reception issue. That is not, that is not a, a sending issue. That's a receiving issue. The Lord sends his communications to us. Now, sometimes he may communicate something to us when we ask him, and we don't like what he just said, so we pretend he didn't say anything. But we know in our heart he did say something, and when we decide to agree with what he said, things go a lot smoother for us. And why is that? Because God is just wanting you to do what he says? No, because God knows everything. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows who you are. So when you're asking him a question, he's speaking to you based on who you are in every aspect of you that you don't even understand, but he does. So you can trust his communication to you 100%, 150%. Why is that? Because he knows who he's talking to. He knows what you need to hear. So again, back to this family environment, this loving each other as brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters might have a disagreement. It happens. But you learn how to manage your disagreements. Maybe one person wants this and the other person wants that. Well, what happens when two people want two different things? You have to meet in the middle, right? You meet in the middle and you come up with some type of solution that makes people happy. This is part of love. Part of love is recognizing what other people are looking for in their life, you communicating what you're looking for in your life and finding a place in the middle where, where you each can be loved, by God and express the love of God to each other. You see what I'm saying? So this is what is saying in Hebrews, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Keep on doing that. Don't stop doing that. Don't stop just because you may, maybe it didn't work one time and somebody was gossiping about another person or, you know, we have a lot of this, you know, um, church splitting going on in our area. People are leaving a church and going to this church and that church, and the pastor said that, and that person said this and it, and we have a lot of that going on, unfortunately, in a lot of places. People are taking offense at things people say. At the People sometimes take offense when they come to church in the morning, and the, and the usher looks at them weird, 
and they're like, oh, you know, what's wrong with him? Maybe the pastor said something about me, and then he told the usher, you know, and then your mind just starts going crazy, right? And then you're like, maybe I need to go check out another church. These people don't seem very friendly. And it's like this idea that you're not a family, that you're in this competitive world system where who's dominating? Well, the pastor's over everybody, and then the associate pastor, and then we have the deacon board. Who wants to be on the deacon board? I do. I'm going to work my way up to the deacon board. That's not what that's about. Shepherds shepherd sheep. They don't dominate them. And a, and a good pastor, and there's a lot of good pastors out there, people, a lot, okay? I, I will tell you this. Most of the pastors are good there are some bad apples that is possible that you have encountered, but usually they're not. And I'll tell you why. It isn't easy being a pastor. If you have bad intentions, you aren't going to last very long <laughs> unless you're really skilled at being, you know, bad. <laughs> because usually it's a lot of work. And, and usually, you know, like, um, you know, if you ever run a, a help desk at a company, you don't get usually calls where people say, hey, everything's running great. What a great, what a great uh, you know, service you offered us. I just wanted a call to say thanks. You don't get those calls. You only get calls about people complaining about what's not right. And sometimes that's the way it is for pastors. They have a very um, ungrateful life because they only hear the complaints. You know? So it is good to tell people who you know, are in your family that you appreciate what they're bringing you appreciate them, even if they're not bringing anything, just their very presence, you know? God isn't looking for our performance. He, he considered us great and valuable before we ever did anything right. We actually did everything wrong, like very wrong. And he said, you're amazing. And we're like, but we did everything wrong. And he goes, but you don't understand. He sees who you are. So let's do that with each other. Let's look at each other like God looks at us, you know, and, and love each other as brothers and sisters. That's who we are. We're brothers and sisters. Remember back in the day, we used to call people brother and sister. That was fun, you know, and a little awkward at times, but it was fun. You know, hey, it's Brother Myers and Sister Myers. We would be Brother Myers and Sister Myers. That would be so funny. Huh? But you had to be a certain age to be a brother and a sister. If you were under 18, you were always not a brother and sister. But that that's a whole different group. But yeah, exactly. You're in the club. You're a brother, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's very inclusive type of stuff. Well, you don't, and you don't call your brother and sister, hey, brother, brother so-and-so. But anyway, you know, we try. But the idea here isn't to call each other brother and sister. It's to love each other as a, like a brother and sister. Now, as you get older and you learn, you know, first of all, you can't get away from your brother and sister. It doesn't matter. Even if your brother or sister moved to the other side of the world, guess what? They're still your brother and sister. You could be like, oh, so, you know, sometimes you may be in one group of people with one group of people that are your brothers and sisters, and then you go to another group of people that are your brothers and sisters. Well, guess about uh, what happened to the other people? Nothing. They're still your brothers and sisters. And when you see them again, you'd be like, hey, how's it going? Why is that? Because you're still in the same family. You're in the family of God. So there's a, there's a way that as we're growing in God, we can start to, to change how we see everybody. And we stop seeing them as, you know, what church do you go to? Well, I go to the church that, that God built with Jesus. Oh, that's like the same church. Well, who's over that church? Jesus is. Oh, okay. So who's your shepherd? Jesus. You know, who's, who are the rest of them? Well, we've got the apostles, right? The apostles of the Lamb. That's the next layer, right? 
of, and what, what is the next layer even mean? It's actually the foundation, right? Jesus is the chief cornerstone, the very bottom. He's the lowest of the low as far as the foundation of the church, because he's the chief cornerstone. And then it's built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, right? So we have apostles, we have prophets, we have these fivefold ministry gifts that, that Jesus gave us, which is beautiful, built, and now we're building this building. And what are we building the building? The building is the sons, the sons of God, or like we say, brothers and sisters, right? So all the stuff that's going to happen is happening through everybody, not the people that started it all. But that's the foundation. They had to lay a foundation, and the foundation is always the same foundation. It's Jesus himself. It's, he is always the foundation. If you built something and the foundation isn't Jesus, it's not going to be around forever. It'll be around for a certain period of time, and then it'll go away. But the foundation, anything that's, that's Jesus, is forever, okay? And that's the reason why we should love each other as brothers and sisters. So that's Hebrews 13.1. Now, Hebrews 13.2. <clears throat> so we're loving each other, but then it also says this. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. Well, now we're talking about people that we don't know, that we wouldn't necessarily call brother or sister because we're not sure who they are. And this is why it says, don't forget. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Well, that's interesting. Have you ever had that happen where you, were, where you were talking to somebody and you were like, who is this? And then they like disappeared. I know several people who have had those experiences where they talked to a person, they saw a person, and they, they said something to them or whatever, and then they turned around and they had disappeared. They, they were an angel. And they didn't realize that while they were talking to them, but they were being, so hospitality to strangers. Hospitality means being nice to people. You know, sometimes you might be tempted if it's not, they're not in your family to treat them differently. And they're saying, what, what the Spirit is saying through this scripture is, don't forget to show hospitality, hospitality to strangers. You could actually be, be being nice to an angel even. You know, and some people have also mentioned Jesus, you know, because Jesus appears to, to people as well, you know. So, again, loving each other as brothers and sisters, showing hospitality to strangers. Some have done this and have entertained angels without realizing it. So this is actually like, when I think about this, I'm actually thinking about like having somebody over your house, having dinner or whatever, and not realizing, you know, once they leave that you are actually having dinner with an angel. It can happen. It's happened before. It's in the Bible, things like that happening. Do you remember Samson's parents? When the angel came and told him about who Samson was going to be? And they said, well, you want to stay and have some, have some dinner with us? And he was like, sure. You remember? It's in the Bible. And then he went up, and, and then they, they had a fire, and the angel went up into the fire into the sky. And they wanted to worship the angel, and the angel's like, don't worship me. Remember? Mm-hmm. So they entertained an angel. They were aware of the angel at the end there. But, you know, this is what happens sometimes. We don't know. Like, I think we have a lot of ideas that there is this really strong distinction between the physical and the spiritual world, and there really isn't. You know, in the heart of the Father, he's, he's willing to give us everything. He wants us to be aware of who we are as sons of God, though. That's the most important thing is our learning and our training. And the number one thing sons of God do is they love. And they love like the Father loves. They love like the Father loves. They don't love with a selfish human love, but they love with the divine love. The divine love is the highest level. It is, it is the sign of maturity. You know, you want to say, well, is that person mature? Oh, they have gifts of the Spirit in operation. They can 
pray in, in tongues and they can prophesy and they can read your mail. They are very mature. Nope, that's not a sign of maturity. As a matter of fact, in, in 1 Corinthians, you find that when the, Corinth, the church at Corinth was behaving badly, that that's when God gave them the gifts to help them grow up, you know, teaching them how to, how to move in the Spirit and then showing them the highest way, which was the way of love. He's trying to show them how to operate in the Spirit. To operate in the Spirit is to operate in love, right? Thanks. Thanks for that one amen. <laughs> okay. Now, here's another interesting thing. It says, this is New Living, Hebrews 13, 3. Remember those in prison as you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. Whoa. What does this sound like, you guys, that we talk about all the time? Cardionosis. Right? Cardionosis. Right? This is what that is. You can, you can feel it now. So, so Jesus showed me that he felt what I felt when a very, a very painful situation in my life. And he showed me that he felt what I felt, not, but he actually felt it as me, like he literally was me, which was amazing. And I don't even know how he did that, but I saw him there. So he's showing how he carries our burdens. Now, what does he do with it though? He doesn't just hold it and say, oh, you know, let's all come around. Let's all come around Jamin and feel sorry for Jamin. Oh, boo hoo hoo. No. See, what we have is something called energy, also known as power, also known as frequency, right? We have something in us that comes from God. It's a frequency of heaven. It's a heavenly frequency or a heavenly power that God has put into us by the Spirit, right? And so what we do is when we feel that pain, we, we exchange and, and release the love of God into their bodies, into that situation. So not only do we hold it, but we don't look at it in judgment. Oh, how dare you? You must have not had enough faith. Blah, 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 blah. We don't do that. That's condemnation. That's not what God does with us. He takes it in himself and he exchanges it for his strength. So that's what we do. We do the same thing. We can sense what people are sensing. If they're, if they're being in prison, and if you look in, at this time, a lot of these guys were in prison, as a matter of fact, and one of them I was reading, he said, hey, Timothy's getting out, of, getting out of jail pretty soon, and then he's gonna come and visit you. So this was something that would happen a lot with them. They were persecuted relentlessly, because remember what I said last week about the world system? They are extremely threatened by us, because <laughs> we don't operate in their system. We operate in a heavenly kingdom, and let, let me tell you, the heavenly kingdom is more powerful than their kingdom. I mean, they couldn't even keep Peter locked up in jail. An angel came and let him out. I mean, whatever it is that God is going to do, he's going to do with his sons. This is the way this works. You know, if you don't identify as a son of God, as, a, as one of the children of God or in the family of God, you're not accessing that kingdom. You're accessing a different kingdom. You're accessing the world system, which is all about um, quantities. <laughs> you know, about getting more and more troops to, to be in your army so you can out, you know, war the other, the other country, wear them down so they deplete their troops and you still have troops. That's the world system. And that applies into a lot of different things. In business, people do it. You know, even in relationships, people do that. If you ever see like mean girls, you know, what do mean girls do? Well, it's not mean girls, it's mean girls. Why are they mean girls? Because they gather a group. <laughs> an influential group and exert their dominance over the other girls. And that's just in high school. 
But that just keeps working out through a lot of different things. You know, you'll see that, different groups of people. But see, what, did, what does love do? And, and Jesus, he really, he really was given a hard time by the Pharisees when he did this. Because remember Zacchaeus? You want to look at Zacchaeus for a second? I want to show you this, because this is really cool, you guys. Are you, are you with me? <laughs> Zacchaeus. So Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. Do you guys know that song? Zach. I'm sure he appreciates us saying that song about him. <laughs> it's like, why do they sing that song about being a wee little man? <laughs> I'm going to get it here. Hold on one second. <laughs> but, you know, Jesus was given a hard time by, by the Pharisees all the time for this kind of stuff. And um, there it is. And he, uh, so Luke 19, <clears throat> chapter 1. Jesus, I'm sorry, Luke 19, verse 1. I keep saying that. Luke 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region. So, so they didn't like tax collectors, but this dude was the chief tax collector. So they really didn't like him. And he had become very rich. Again, oh, the rich guys, they're bad. They're putting, they're oppressing the poor people. Listen, this is not new. This is from 2,000 years ago, and you know this is the way it's always been. So Zacchaeus is a rich guy. Well, he's a chief tax collector, so nobody likes tax collectors because it's the government taking your money. And he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he was, he was a wee little man. He was a short guy. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. So he's climbing a tree, this guy. Listen, when you want something... You find a way to get it. This is a rich guy. This guy probably drove a Bugatti. I'm just letting you know. He probably had a very nice car and a very nice home. But here he is. Yeah, very nice donkey. <laughs> and so here we go, right? So Jesus is passing by, but he knows what he needs. In his heart, he has all these riches. Nobody likes him because he's the chief tax collector, so he's oppressing everybody, they think, right? So he, he climbs this tree. Because Jesus is going to pass away. So when you, when you have something in your heart to do, do it with all your might. Don't hold back. Do it with all your might. That's how you get the result. Do it with all that's within you. This is one thing I love, you know, like some of the Bethel worship that they have. And, and, and even some, you know, like um, uh, Stephanie Ratzinger, is that her name? When she worships, she worships with everything in her heart. She leaves nothing. She holds nothing back. And when she worships like that, it produces such an atmosphere of, of the love of God that people just are drawn to that. And again, that's become popular now to appear like you're giving everything you got. But when you really do it from your whole heart, whether it's climbing a sycamore tree or getting out there and worshiping God with all your heart, it makes a difference. Because you're, you're saying, this is the thing that's in my heart from God. Not my, not my soul, mind you. The soul is going to go from one thing to another. Trust me. It's going to want this today, but tomorrow it's going to want something else because the soul's never satisfied. But in your heart, you know what it is you need is him. You need Christ. You need him. That, that intimacy with God is that, is that thing you desire more than anything, right? So he's trying to climb up. It's not enough for him to know that Jesus was there. He wanted to see him. So he ran ahead, he climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. He did it with all his heart. 
It wasn't just the climbing of the fig tree or the sycamore tree that Jesus saw. Jesus saw his heart. He released a frequency around him when he climbed that tree. He released something in the spirit, something that happened in that area that was evident. I'm sure there were other kids climbing trees or other people doing things. But when Zacchaeus climbed that tree, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus, called him by name. How did Jesus know Zacchaeus' name? He'd never met him before. Ah, cardionosis. He knows stuff, right? Because he's holding the whole nation in his heart. All of Israel. Jesus knows everything about everybody in Israel because he holds the whole nation in his heart. He said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. I must be a guest immediately. Jesus can pick up on that frequency of love. He knows when you do it with your whole heart. He is responding to the intention of Zacchaeus. You see, he's responding to the intention of Zacchaeus, which is, I want to meet Jesus. I want to see him. I want to be with him. Why? Because Jesus had something that he wanted. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. He is pumped. But look what it says in verse 7. But the people were displeased. Wah, wah. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, as, and I have cheated people on their taxes. I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son. Look, a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. You see that? So that goes back to what I was saying in Hebrews, right? Where it says Hebrews 13, 1. So Jesus is doing this, right? Hebrews 13, sorry, verse 2. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. So number one, Zacchaeus, who was a notorious sinner, according to the people, notorious. In other words, he's a cheat. They did not like him. And Jesus came and had dinner with him. In other words, he, he associated with him. But you know what Zacchaeus, you know why Jesus, Zacchaeus wanted Jesus near him? Because that's what he wanted to tell him. He wanted to repent. He wanted to change. He was coming to Jesus. You see, this is the thing. So anyway, that's a totally different thing. But what I want to talk about here is, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. He knew Zacchaeus by name. And he said, I'm coming to your house today. Okay? Remember them. Remember those that are being mistreated. As if you felt their pain in your own bodies. You see? These are the kind of things that we can do. Now, I don't mean you're like, oh, I'm in so much pain. And now you're like distressed. You know, because you're not holding things in your, in your own bodies apart from God. It's, it's God that's holding it. So you can sense what people are going through. Sometimes it is intense. I agree. However, you know, and this is what we call what empaths, right? And we always talk about the empath and we're trying to help empaths to be able to operate in the spirit without allowing their empathic tendencies to make them feel like it's them <laughs> when it, when it isn't them, you know? So what we're doing is we're able to sense 
what is happening around us because we have that true um, love that comes from above. And that love allows us to feel what other people are feeling. So you may have had this happen. I know I do. You know, if I, if I sit, you know, or stand or whatever, and my intention is towards a thing in my heart, and I go with Christ in my heart towards an area, I can sense what's happening in that area immediately. And so can you. We all can. We can know what's happening. How is that person feeling? What's going on in their life? You can sense that in your heart because they're held in the heart of the Father. We're not going out of judgment. We're going out of love. This is one of the issues people have. They're like, I want to know this and that. Why is that? Are you looking to control and dominate? Because that's the soul. I need to know so I can control and dominate. That's the soul <laughs> again. <laughs> so, you know, the soul likes to pretend to be spiritual. Why is that? Because the spirit has power and it needs power, right? But the soul doesn't need power. The soul needs to be quiet and the soul needs to be shepherded because the works of the soul or the works of the flesh are evident. And we don't want to be led by our soul. We want to be led by the spirit, our spirit, which is one with the Holy Spirit. We don't want to be led by the soul. The soul will get us into trouble. And then when the soul gets us into trouble, it will fix it by getting us into more trouble. <laughs> Never be led by the soul. Never. Even if the soul has the best argument in the world, you'll be like, nope, that's coming out of the soul. I'm not going to do it. I know, but it would work perfect. No soul. It will not work perfect. You know why? Because you are not speaking from the heart of the Father. You're speaking from your own desire, your own lower realm desire. Lower realm means it has a temporary benefit, and sometimes that temporariness is very short-lived benefit, and it's not a real eternal um, activity. It's a temporal activity. So we can be involved in spiritual, heavenly, eternal activities all throughout our day and not even realize it. You know, if we entertained angels unaware, what else are we doing that we're unaware of? That's a good question. If I entertain angels unaware, if I literally have people over my house and I don't even realize that they're an angel, what else am I doing that I'm not aware of? Well, I guess we could wake up to some things, can't we? Um, so what else should we talk about here, guys? I was going to keep going, but here's what I'm going to do instead. Um, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So do not be attracted by strange new ideas. Your strength comes from God's grace, not from rules about food, which don't help those who follow them. Again, not to say having a good diet isn't important. They're saying that the food makes you more or less holy. Well, food doesn't make you more or less holy. The only thing that can make you holy is God. And he doesn't look at food to determine if someone's holy. Mm, it's true. He's not looking at your works to determine if, if things are holy. So again, they were saying here in verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You've heard that before, right? But look at the next verse. So don't be attracted by strange new ideas. Why is that? It's the same message. It hasn't changed. It's the same message. It's, it's Yeshua, Jesus, Yeshua. Yeshua is the same. He was the same yesterday. He, was, he is the same today, and he will be the same forever. So if someone comes in by strange new ideas, in other words, these are men's ideas. Now we're all doing this, and now we're all doing that, and now we're doing all the other thing. Now, 
Does does the Lord introduce new things to us? He sure does. And why are they new? Because we just didn't know about them. But are they actually new? No, they're really old. We call them the ancient gates or the ancient pathways. And they are not strange and new. They are super old and apparently have been forgotten because new strange ideas have been added into the mix. And most of those strange new ideas, I can tell you right now, they usually involve some degree of works. Some degree of working your way up into God. And and you can see in the very next verse, in this case, rules about food. Rules about food made people more or less holy. Did you keep this food tradition, that food tradition? No, that stuff doesn't, don't follow that stuff. It's a distraction. It's a distraction, okay? Because Jesus is the same. He's never changed. So that's good. And then look at this. Actually, I won't read that one, but. Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, verse 20, the great shepherd of the sheep and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood. May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. Right? Who brought you. Now look what it says. It's so good. Verse 20. Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood. This is very important. Be shepherded from above, the Bible says. Be shepherded from above. By who? Our Lord Jesus. Yeshua is our shepherd. He shepherds us. He leads us. He guides us. He directs us, right? He ratified an eternal covenant with his blood. May he equip you. So how do we get equipped? Jesus equips us. What does he equip us with? He equips, he equips us with spiritual technologies. I'm using modern words so we can understand them a little differently. He equips us with tech. He gives us high-end, high-quality, eternal technology. And he, where does he put the eternal technology? Well, boom, in us. He puts it inside of us. So we have within us technology, equipment that Jesus has given us that allows us to do his will on the earth. And it includes things that you cannot imagine with your mind. You can't imagine these things in your mind because they're greater than your imagination. So you're doing things. Now look what he says. May he produce in you. Oh, you got you to gotta work hard. Jesus is looking to see what you can produce for him. Well, this scripture says, may he produce in you. So you were busy trying to do some pr- production for Jesus, and Jesus is doing all the production already in you through his power. This is what I love about it. When you go into the garden of your heart, and Jesus is like, look what I did. And you're like, oh, that's beautiful, Jesus. He did some amazing stuff in us. He equipped us. He gave us power. Every good thing that is pleasing to him, right? Every good thing. Well, we need to weed out all the bad things. He is filling your life with good things. There's no room for bad things. You're so full of good things. And where are they? They're in you. But what about the bad things that I see? Well, where are those happening? Those are happening outside of you. They're in the world. What about my body? My body needs help. Well, guess what you have in your spirit? 
spiritual technology, and that spiritual technology will affect your body. It will affect, but make your heart intention to go towards the spirit of what God has put in you and not the external of what you can see with your five senses. This is where people miss it. They get caught up in this five sense world and they miss the fact that there is supernatural technology that has been released in you because he's equipping you with all you need. He is your shepherd. So when we follow the shepherd, the shepherd will lead us into places where we can utilize the technology that he's put in us. When we follow our soul, we will only be led into areas that the work of the flesh can sustain. Does that make sense? If we're not, so in other words, as we're being shepherded from above, the technologies, the things that we need begin to flow through us. Okay? When we are trying in our minds, emotions, our will, to make things happen in ourselves, then we don't, we're not utilizing that technology. So there's an area of trust that comes in with being led by the shepherd, and then there's an area in trusting yourself when you're doing your own soulish stuff. Okay? And people won't always understand what you're doing. They won't understand because they can't see it. Not everybody will understand. Now, some people will. The disciples understood what Jesus was doing. But the other people didn't. Actually, sometimes even the disciples didn't understand what he was doing. But, but uh, the other people, they were... So, so here's like this tax collector, the chief tax collector, Zacchaeus. He is like literally the epitome of all that's wrong. He's de- he is the king of the deep state, okay? He's the swamp creature of swamp creatures, okay? And everyone's ticked off at him because of all the cheating he's done, right? And so now he's like, I'm going to be buddies with Jesus, yo. And everyone's like, no, you're not. You're so bad. And Jesus is like, come on in. And then what did Jesus say when it was over? Salvation has come to this house. In other words, this is the real deal, you guys. This guy really did change. This Zacchaeus, he really did give his heart to me. He really did repent. He's, salvation has come. You don't know what you're looking at sometimes. We judge things in our soul and we miss what Jesus is doing. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just keep looking with the eyes of the Spirit. Start looking at the things that are actually happening around you because there's some stuff that you're, that's happening that you are unaware of. And the Lord would like to wake you up so that you become aware. Like I always give the example of the angels. I give the example of the canopy, right? Angel, angelic canopy. The angels love us so much. I'm so excited. I got to meet my angel going to get to know a little more about them, having conversations. You can do the same thing, right? It's not wrong to talk to angels. If I talk to an angel, I'm not worshiping an angel. If I talk to my dog, I'm not worshiping my dog. I'm just talking to my dog. And if we would talk to a dog, which is a much lower being, why would we not talk to an angel? We can talk to our angels. It's okay. We need to, I believe that in the future, we're going to be working a lot with our angels. And it's not just going to be like, oh, we don't know what they're doing. We should be aware of what is happening. You know, we should, but we have to position ourselves, guys. We have to position ourselves. It doesn't, you got to be in the right position in your heart. In other words, your intention towards that, you know. So there's a really good book by Michael Van Vlyman that I'd like to promote today. And um, it's one that I picked up. 
the other day. It's called Working with Angels by Michael Van Vleiman. And he just lays it out right there. He, I mean, he goes right through, like he addresses all these things where they told us, you know, I mean, there's what, 20, uh, no, I think he said 280 instances of angelic activity in the scripture. Um, I mean, it's a lot. Uh, there's a lot. They said, if he said, if anything you could teach to say that there's scriptural evidence for, it's the teaching on angels. He's like, of all the things you could teach in the Bible, the teaching on angels is probably the strongest biblical-based teaching you can teach. But people shy away from teaching it. Why is that? Well, it's in an area you can't really control. I can't control when an angel shows up or when an angel doesn't show up. That's not a thing you can do. But when God reveals your angel to you, you can. And we don't speak evil. You know, we have respect and honor. It's very important that we're showing honor, honor to the angels, just like the angels honor us. We love them. They're real. They can see us. We can see them. Okay. This is how it works. It's a process of learning. So sometimes, um, I think sometimes people get scared back from some types of things because they expect it just to happen. I'm talking about spiritual things. Okay. Sometimes people think that spiritual things should just happen. Because they might meet a person like, oh, yeah, I see angels. I do. You know, I'm operating in the gifts of the spirit. But there's a training process that we go through sometimes because, honestly, most of us have been taught wrong our whole lives about many, many things when it comes to heavenly stuff. Many, many things we are completely taught wrong. And why were we taught wrong? Because people, usually with good intentions, have, been, have attempted to instruct us in areas that they have no experience in. In the spirit, they have no, they have zero experience in these areas. This is the reason why I don't do an in-depth teaching on certain things because I have no experience in that area. So I don't want to teach from what another person told me. I want to teach from the things that I've actually encountered myself. And there are people who have a very active um, spiritual interaction in the angelic realm. Michael Van Vleiman is one of them. You know, um, I think the other one, the the guy, what's your guy, uh, Evan? Um, What's his name? The Veil. What? Um, what's what's his name? The Veil author. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, what's his name? Who who wrote The Veil? Blake Healy. Right. So Blake Healy is one. Michael Van Vlyman is another one. Evan was unaware that we were talking to him. <laughs> <laughs> so so those are good so so you know find find books find things you know but but remember books aren't teaching us the spirit's teaching us are there books that come into our path is there videos on youtube that come into our path is there audio that we listen to in podcasts that come across our path yes there is so what's teaching you who's teaching you the spirit's teaching you you're in this, yeah, the spirit of truth is teaching you through the things that you see, the things you hear. You go outside, you see a bird, you see this, you see that. The spirit of truth may speak to you and say, I want you to notice something about this, and I want you to notice something about that. So did a bird just teach me today? No, the spirit of truth taught me. And how did he teach me? Through the things that God has made. So we're going to see this all the time, but I just say, like, a lot of times why, a lot of times why people say, why is this not happening right away is because we have it, we're, we're in a process of being trained, being trained to see in the spiritual realm, to move in the spiritual realm, to come into a place of rest, okay, where we're not soulishly trying to grab spiritual things, but we're actually just coming to that place of rest as a son, becoming aware of our union with him, 
okay? Growing up into the knowledge of him, and then from that place of rest and that place of knowing who we are, beginning to move out into the spirit and allowing spirit of wisdom, spirit of understanding, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of the fear of the Lord, right? The spirit of might. All of the seven spirits of God teaching us in the spirit of the Lord, teaching us what? What it means to be a son. What our sonship entails. What the kingdom of heaven is like. And how we operate from the kingdom of heaven while we're in the body on the earth. And how we can live in both places with a foot here on the earth and a foot in heaven and there's no contradiction. There's no contradiction whatsoever. You're in both places all the time. You can see the heavenly canopy while you're out at the grocery store. You can interact with angels while you're out at the grocery store as we heard the other day. You can have this life of God where there is no separation. But it comes as we are being taught by the Lord. So again, like I was saying, find people who actually have experience. Not just reading books is great, it's a good start, but the Spirit teaches us and there are people who have experience in these areas. And I will tell you what most of them have taught is that there was a training time, a time where they were learning a time where God was showing them. And why was there a training time? Because there are some things that we think about spiritual things that are just not true. And so God is teaching us. And so this, is, this has happened with me. This is why some of my teaching is different now, because I've learned, you know, I knew what was taught to me by other people, and a lot of times I would just repeat that. But then I started having experiences in the heavenly realms, and then I started to teach from that perspective, because that's different. I've actually been in that place now. Now I can speak from a place of experience where I understand some of these things. But trust me, nobody knows everything. It's beyond our comprehension. Um, honestly, I would say at this point, um, it's best to learn from, um, from heavenly, <laughs> heavenly beings. Um, and why is that? Well, because they have a lot more experience than we do. Okay, so... Um, again, we could reiterate things that we hear from them, and if, if the Lord instructs us to do that, that's what we do. Not everything we hear do we need to repeat uh, necessarily. It may not be the right time, or it might just be for us, but when he does instruct us in certain areas and he tells us, you know, and we're free to share, we do share those things and those experiences that we have in the heavenlies. So Michael Van Flyman has his book, Working with Angels, where he talks about some of that. He has some other books too, so he's a good one. But anyway, that way you're not unaware. And you can be aware of the angels. You can be aware of what's going on around you. You can be aware of, you know, your brothers and sisters. And that's who they are. They're your brothers and sisters. We can become aware of Jesus and aware of people whose hearts are close to the kingdom. You know, have you ever met a person? You say they're close. They're real close. <laughs> and so maybe there's going to be some opportunities for you where you'll be able to share Jesus with them. God knows when people's hearts are ready. You know, what did Paul say? I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. Sometimes you're planting, sometimes you're watering, but it's always God who brings the increase. Because we're, we're his sheep, we're his pasture, we're his garden. He tends after us, he nurtures us, he guides us, he directs us, he feeds us, he does it all. And so what we do is we engage with him in his kingdom. 
we go to his place. We go visit him in heaven, in the garden of our heart, going through that place into a heavenly realm, through the gate of first love. So these are good things. All right, everybody. I think that'll wrap it up for today. 